Welcome to All Axes, brought to you by Mazak, a podcast where we interview the people helping to shape the future of manufacturing to give you a better understanding of where we're heading and why. We believe that with an understanding of technology, workforce, and market trends, you can always grow your business. My name is Thielen Henderson, and I'll be your host. Westminster Tool in Plainfield, Connecticut has been dealing with the same skills gap problem many of us have, but they begin to combat the problem by changing how they hire. Joining us today is Hillary Coombs to discuss how they have found success. Uh, hey, Hillary, thank you for joining us today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Hillary, can you tell me a little bit about Westminster Tool? Yeah. Um, so we are predominantly a complex injection mold builder based in Northeast Connecticut. Um, we predominantly build molds for the medical industry. The service that we provide is you know, value-add services for complex um, geometries, tight tolerances, really anywhere where our value-add services are going to be of assistance. We also are a high-performance component um, production producer for the aerospace industry. Um, so low volume, but very high quality parts, um, you know, made out of things like Peak and Torlon for the aerospace industry. So, uh, what do you love about manufacturing? Hmm, I would say the fact for me, it's, I just get excited that every time I pick something up in my hands, concept that of all the different processes that went into bringing that one product to life. Yeah. That's, that's a very tangible, uh, sensation. I dig it. Yeah. Uh, so, okay. So Westminster has a unique approach to bridging the skills gap. Can, can you tell me a little bit about what you guys are doing? Yeah. Um, so it kind of was an outcome of a journey. I wouldn't say we got here intentionally. Mm -hmm. um, but when we weren't able to really fill um, some positions within our um, company, we started looking for ways to basically create the next generation of mold builders. Um, so today, um, what that looks like is getting heavily involved in um, educational systems all the way, you know, down to kindergarten grades. We are bringing in, you know, 12 plus schools a year to tour the shop, doing open houses, doing job shadows, um, and then internally to actually train the people that we get. Um, we are we have our own academy system um, okay. because we hire for character and train for skill. Um, so we since we couldn't find technically the people to fill the skilled um, positions, we're hiring the right people that fit into our culture and we're training them to get the skills that they need in order to perform a position. Interesting. So w when you hire for character, uh, but before you started making this transition, what were the qualities you looked for in a quality hire? So um, so we started the transition in 2013. So I like to say pre-2013. Mm -hmm. um, we were looking for, it, I would summarize it as like independent contractors. So um, my dad owns a company and at the time it was him and 20 independent contractors. So mm -hmm. someone who was motivated, you know, self could work independently, um, had a skill set, you know, you could slide them right into uh, either a machine or um, in tool making or design, and they could just kind of get the job done um, okay. at a set series of skill sets that would enable them to do a job. So, uh, but in your pre-2013 hires, you almost looked at uh, your employees as uh, fully made, people that could, could be jack of all trades. Is that the right way to put it? I would say we were more siloed, um, so, but we would want them to embody everything needed for the position we were going to put them into. Got it. 
So, all right, the qualities you look for in a hire post-2013, what are those? Yeah, so today we actually are just looking for people who have the character attributes that fit with our culture. Mm -hmm. Um, So we're looking for somebody who is motivated um, by something other than just self. Um, We're looking for somebody who is curious. Um, So somebody who's not by default judgmental, but you know, always curious to see, you know, other sides of things, learn new things. Um, we're looking for people with integrity um, and we're looking for people who are dynamic um, and that understand that change is necessary. Um, so really, we're looking for people who aren't looking to just fill a position, but are looking to be a part of a team and fill right. the company's um, goals. So in the past, when you were looking for the right hire, it was largely based on skills, what the person knows, and and, and what looks good on a resume. But today, it's much more uh, uh, hard to define, I think. Those seem like uh, hard skills to identify in a person. Absolutely. Um, We've had to make a lot of changes to our hiring process in order to enable us to do this. Okay. And we, we've definitely learned the hard way. I would say that we definitely made some mistakes. Mm-hmm. So a few, there's a few key things probably to highlight here. The first is that we interview everyone. Um, the reason being is it's very hard to evaluate character on a resume. So we wouldn't be doing ourselves and our company um, justice if we didn't bring somebody in based on what was on their resume because you never know who the person is behind that. Right. That's the first thing. So if we had 50 applicants in a year, all 50 are gonna come in and interview. Mm -hmm. Um, We also do behavior-based interviewing. So not so much about, you know, tell me about what you've done in your previous jobs, but we're gonna use situational questions to try and see behaviors. So tell me about a time when you didn't know how to do something, but your boss needed to get it done. Um, And we're looking to see, were they curious? Did they, you know, research? Did they ask someone for help? Yeah. Um, we're looking to see, um, you know, motivation, um, overcoming adversity. We're looking to see that they had to flex, you know, what, tell me about a time you had to, you know, do a task that wasn't in your job description, you know, and see how they lean into that. Um, we also interview with three people. Um, the last person you interview with is somebody in the team that you potentially moving into. And the first two are honestly just the two people who are the best judge of character um, and who work most intimately with our new hires. Um, And then we also require that everybody do a job shadow. Okay. The reason being is it's a two-way street. We're very different here at Westminster Tool than most places where other people could be coming from. So we really want them to be exposed to what we do and why. And then whoever they job shadow is you know, seeing again, do they lean in? Are they curious, you know, and, or are they saying, I can't believe you have to do that. And then when we hire them, um, which is a whole nother topic, we have a very long onboarding process. So with your new hires, do their previous backgrounds and experiences matter at all? Or do you just want to see the qualities uh, that that Westminster values in an employee? Yeah. So, um, I would say previous experience definitely matters, but I would say the first thing that we're, we care about is finding the right person. And then we have a lot of ways to expose them to the technical background that we might need them to have. So for example, we have a lot of employees who were um, you know, mid thirties, forties looking for a career change. Mm-hmm. 
might have come from the casino industry or in construction. They tech they don't have, you know, draft, you know, they can't read a print, they don't have machining skills. Um, but we do have a local advanced manufacturing certificate program at one of our community colleges that we can enroll oh, them cool. and help them to get through. So if we find the right person, we can start by putting them into whatever um, third party resources, external resources that we have to get them the basics. And then once they have at least a basic understanding of manufacturing, then we can bring them in and take it from there with our internal academy system. It, okay, so uh, you've mentioned how your onboarding process is longer than usual. Uh, longer than most, rather, and um, you've mentioned your internal academy system. Uh, is that how you begin to train uh, somebody with skills? Yeah, someone who already has that that base knowledge, or is that where you start from the ground up? Yeah, so um, I'm going to start for Dom. I'm going to. There's two different people: somebody who comes to me with 30 years experience, and then mm -hmm. somebody who comes to me with no experience or just that manufacturing certificate program right. experience. Okay. Um, so the people who come to me with, you know, either a technical high school experience or that advanced manufacturing certificate program, mm -hmm. um, they go into what we call the box. Um, this is, it's literally a box because it's where we do some of our aerospace production manufacturing mm -hmm. and um, it's a secured room. So in the box though, um, is the only room in our company that has a manager um, and really solid leader. Okay. And his job is not only to lead and manage that room and the operations, but also to train um, and expose all of our new hires to our culture. So what that looks like is he's the person coaching them saying, hey, that's an opportunity to improve. You know, the parts of our culture are continuous improvement, continuous learning, accountability, and emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. So during the first three to six to 12 months, depending on the person, He's not only exposing them to a lot of manufacturing basics, but he's exposing them to our culture and coaching them along the way to make sure that they understand it. So helping them to see when an opportunity is to learn, helping them to see an opportunity to make an improvement, helping them learn the skill to hold yourself accountable and to manage yourself, um, learning emotional intelligence, learning about self-awareness and communication. Um, and so they'll go through that and until they get to a point where we say you've demonstrated proficiency in self, which is that, you know, you've learned the basics of the company, you're contributing to our culture the way we expect, then you get to move out and pick what we call a concentration, which would be maybe CNC machining, EDM, tool making, molding, design, etc. Wow. Uh, so uh, how many staff members do you have? Um, just around 40. Okay. And, and there's one manager, you said. And then that is for, <laughs> um, so that is for the box, which has uh, on okay. eight employees in there. Mm -hmm. um, the rest of the company, um, we've chosen to invest in skill, like skills training and tools um, to help all of our employees self-manage. Okay. So we have, for example, I would call our scheduler a leader. Okay, this is what needs to get done and here's a big schedule. But then every individual is responsible for, you know, scheduling their day-to-day, -day, budgeting their time based on the job budget, track wow. their ability to be on time, communicating with their team, communicating with the tool maker. Um, we've really tried to invest in giving our people the skills to do that independently instead of spending the money on a manager. Okay, so interesting. Would you say that there's much more uh, personal accountability? With, with, yes. Uh, yeah, I'm 
believe that. Yeah, one of the pillars of our culture is accountability. Um, it's pretty critical. Like I would say um, all of the components, none work without the other. And I would say, yeah. especially for accountability, that was the last thing we implemented because we were asking people to be emotionally intelligent and learn and improve. And until we really help people realize that that was their own responsibility, that's when it started to actually, we, we've seen drastic change, um, just performance-based within the company. Yeah. So are, are there measurables you can say to point to say this was the right decision or is it just kind of a quality of life uh, that's better? Yeah. Um, so it's funny you say quality of life because that's one of our visions is to improve quality of life. So cool. I definitely think um, we have done that, but the measures mm -hmm. to prove that are we say quality of life is more time, more money, and less stress. Mm -hmm. So if you're advancing in your career and growing as an individual, then you should have um, more money. Mm -hmm. um, if you're advancing in your position and improving the processes and procedures to enable you to be more efficient, you should have more time. Mm -hmm. um, less stress is pretty tough to manage, but we try to give people more time off to do the things that they love. Um, and I would say the measure to prove that um, and why we're so passionate about sharing this with other businesses is that our throughput per person from the pre-2013 till now um, is up by around 70%. Oh, wow. Okay. That's the number you can hang your hat on. Um, so uh, in, in addition to the increase of uh, personal responsibilities in the job floor, does your staff have any uh, other new responsibilities or obligations, such as training incoming staff that you didn't have before? Yes. Um, I tried to, I'm trying to think of, because um, there's there so many little things. One thing that's different in a lot of when people come to tour the company, they get surprised about is um, on Mondays and Fridays, we have an all hands meeting every single morning. So all employees come together. Um, we share, it's a way to communicate. We share priorities, we share needs. We discuss, you know, what we're expecting coming in from shipments. We share as teams kind of how we're performing. Um, and on Mondays, we share what we did over the weekend. And on Fridays, we share what we're grateful for. And every single person passes the mic around and speaks. And so especially for a manufacturing company where you've got designers and tool makers not be comfortable in that position, a lot of people are surprised to see that. It's also a requirement of employment we say that we're a continuously improving organization. So one of the things that we've put in place is that in order to work here, you have to find three challenges a week that we could improve. You can't be an improving organization if everything is great. So to break down that barrier of the fact that saying something is wrong or it was a challenge is a bad thing. So that that was that's another thing. Um, and then we spend the first 45 minutes of every day working on the business. So using all of those challenges that we have come up with, we'll work as a team to make process improvements, whether it's to updating SOPs or MOPs, creating new training documentation if the challenge was that we didn't have a training document for something, um, or just sharing best practices, which just enables us to make sure that the whole company is taking accountability for improving the business and helping us to succeed and get better. Interesting. So uh, you guys must have quite the... Uh encyclopedia of training documentation at this point if you're doing this much uh if you're bringing in people this new to manufacturing yes um so we have a online um academy system it's kind of like college university meets apprenticeship program 
yeah. a digital list of um, courses and lessons relevant to a position where you can track proficiency. That's cool. And on our local drive system, we have documentation to support, you know, so how to documents, it could be a training PowerPoint, it could be an example job, things like that. When we started this, I think we had like 50 lessons. Um, and I think we're up over 3,500 now. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it just is this. Uh, all right. So you guys have kind of an interesting approach to, frankly, all business, as far as I'm concerned. I, I, like, that you're <laughs> educa- I like that you're educating kindergartners and getting manufacturing more in the zeitgeist than, than uh, other companies. Uh, what does success look like to you? This is going to sound, I feel like, cheesy, but... That's okay. I'm, I'm up for that. Okay. All right. So um, about three years ago, halfway through the journey, we said that we wanted to create a vision of what was in my... Basically, when we were on this journey, my dad, who was leading this initiative, knew what he wanted, but it was in his... Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And right. he was just communicating it to everybody. Um, and that's not sustainable. And so... What we did was we create, came up with our vision, and I would say that as an organization, I don't think any of us resonate with anything more than our vision, and that's yeah. what makes us special is that we all get up every day and we're working for this thing. I don't know that we'll ever attain it, but our goal is that we're sustainable, which means bigger than one person, so right. don't ever want the success of something to depend on a human, that person being here. And then we also want it to be sustainable in the sense that things are going to survive for years to come. So that also means people, but it also means, you know, that our processes aren't going to die out, that our technology isn't going to die out. And then we want to create um, a way to improve the quality of life for everyone that's with us. So again, that more time, more money, less stress. At the end of the day, that's really what we're striving for. We're not there. We're doing a lot of, I think we've made a lot of great improvements, but I don't think we're 100% sustainable yet. There's always ways to better improve quality of life. But if I know that we have gotten closer, then to me, that's successful in a day, in a month, in a year. Well, Hillary, thank you for joining us today. Yeah, absolutely. Westminster Tools website is westminstertool.com. Be sure to subscribe to All Axes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, or you can always visit our website at mazakusa.com for the latest episode. 